I've got two great fires. Hello there and welcome to Date Fight. It's a podcast where we take things that happened on this day and we look at them to see which is the most important, exciting, entertaining or just rude. Usually there are a few of us doing this, but this week it's just me. Uh, So, sorry, I guess. Anyway, let's crack on. Let's push on. Let's find out what exciting things happened on... Oh, actually, we've got to change the format today because I'm going to tell you what I think was the best. And then some of you told me what you thought was the best. So it's the first ever date fight where I will be fighting you, the general public. Let battle commence! That needs a sting. I haven't written one. Doesn't matter. Maybe I have. Maybe by the time you hear this, there will be a sting in there. Probably not. It's quite late already. Okay. No, I didn't write a sting! I'm going to take us to the 2nd of September, 1666. To a little place called Pudding Lane in London. Anyone care to guess what Pudding Lane was named after? It's not puddings. It's offal. Apparently offal was known as puddings up until the 15th century. It's called Offal Pudding Lane... And according to chronicler John Stowe, the butchers of Eastcheap have their scalding house for hogs there, and their puddings with other filth of beasts avoided down that way to the dung boats on the Thames. Mmm, sounds tasty, and just the sort of place you'd want to have a bakery. And in 1666, a bakery was there. A bakery owned by Thomas Farriner. Incidentally, Pudding Lane was the, perhaps the world's first one-way street. In 1616 it became a one-way street. It was copied by 16 other local lanes, uh, but uh, that wasn't taken up anywhere else until 1800. So it may be the world's first one-way street. Anyway, shortly... Um, let's let's not get bogged down by traffic stuff. Let's stick on that hot, fiery excitement to come. On Just after midnight, on the 2nd of September, Thomas Farriner, the baker, was in his bakery uh, doing something with the fire something silly with the fire because his whole bakery caught on fire. Now usually in the 17th century if your building if a building caught on fire everyone came together and knocked down the buildings next to it so that the fire couldn't get any further. Unfortunately this was happening in almost in the middle of the city of London. Pudding Lane is just uh, north of Tower Bridge. It's now Lower Thames Street. Um, you can just see if you walk over London Bridge you'll see the monument um, which is where the fire of London started or is that the height of it is the height distance between where there and where the fire great fire of london started um and so the lord mayor of london so thomas bloodworth didn't want to blow up lots of houses because it was fairly close to st paul's there were quite a few people who lived there who you didn't want to upset so he sort of dithered when i it's probably going to go out by itself isn't it i imagine i mean it's right next to the river surely the fire will just fall into the water and that'll that'll be the end of it unfortunately for him it didn't it got worse and worse and worse throughout the day until there was a huge firestorm which was out of control and firebreaks would no longer work. People thought that the French and the Dutch had laid... Uh, we were currently at war with the French and the Dutch in the Second Anglo-Dutch War, so people thought the French and the Dutch uh, were responsible, so obviously the people of London did what the people of London always do in this situation. They attacked immigrants. Hooray! The fire leapt the Fleet River, which people thought would act as a natural firebreak, the Fleet River was there. They Well, of course it would get across a river, but it did. Fire's clever. Who knew? And it advanced on Whitehall. The Tower of London, however, the girls from the Tower of London, what they'd done was they put gunpowder in a huge line, a huge streets away from where the Tower of London was, so that did create an effective firebreak to the east. So if you look, it stops at where the, where was burned, it stops as it goes to the east, and carried on to the west. Charles II offered his personal guard to protect the city of London, but the burghers of London 
or the magistrates of London, or whatever the local officials were called, didn't want them because London was a hotbed of republicanism and didn't want help from no king's soldiers. The fire was made worse because London was standing pretty much empty. There had been an outbreak of the plague at the beginning of the year, so people had left to go to the country. So a lot of houses were empty. There was no one to do anything there. They were shorthanded. Um, and eventually, 13,000, of the course of the next two days, 13,200 homes were lost, which was the homes of 70,000 people. Many of them were six or seven storeys high. And some melted pottery was found um, by archaeologists on Pudding Lane, suggests that the fire got up to 1,250 degrees Celsius in heat at its centre. London at that point was still mainly within the medieval walls, um, and so people didn't want to go outside the walls. In fact, many people for the first two days didn't realise that they should. It wasn't until the Monday... This uh, The fire started midnight on the Sunday. It wasn't until Monday evening that people realised they probably should get outside of the walls of the city, at which point, of course, everyone tried to, and there were huge... Um, crushes at the walls of the city um, and the fire burnt for three days. St Paul's was destroyed like, as I said 13,200 homes, much of the city of London was destroyed and so if for nothing else the fact that St Paul's Cathedral burnt down and led to the building of Wren's St Paul's which we can see today leads me to say that the greatest event to have happened on the 2nd of September was the Great Fire of London. But Alex Buchanan disagrees with me He's got his own one. His one is the Great Fire of Copenhagen. <gasps> What's that? Well, in 1807, Britain was at war with Napoleon. However, the people who weren't at war with Napoleon were the Danish. The Danish were quite happy with Napoleon and they were his allies. And the British didn't want Napoleon getting his hand on the Danish navy because then they could take over the Baltic and Britain quite liked being able to trade with people all across the Baltic. So, secretly... Great Britain put together 29,000 troops, 400 warships and transports, and in 1807, in the summer, they shipped them across the Channel without anyone knowing they were coming. Wellington landed near Copenhagen, um, and they said to the Danes, give us your fleet, uh, and we'll go home, and we'll leave you alone. And the Danish went, sorry? And we said, give us your fleet, and then we'll go and leave you alone. We are the British, and it is our custom and our tradition to go across the world and tell people what we want them to do and expect them to do it. Otherwise, we will shoot at them with our guns on our boats. You have made the mistake of living near the sea. Therefore, we will shoot at you with our guns from our boats. And the Danes said, no, I, I don't think so. And so we shot at them with the guns from our boats. So Admiral James Gambier bombarded Copenhagen from the 2nd of September, 1807, um, and bombarded them for five days, which led to a firestorm, the burning down of most of Copenhagen, and the Danish surrendering by the 7th of September. But the most important thing about the battle wars was that it was the first use of Congreve rockets, and Congreve rockets were the first modern rockets. Now, the British had tried to use things that would fire themselves off and blow people up before. They tried to use them in the 1790s in India, but the Congreve rocket was the first thing that we would recognise as a modern rocket, and it were f they were first used to burn down Copenhagen. Um, so that's what that's memorable for. They were next used in the War of 1812, and they are, the Congreve rockets are the rockets of the rocket's red glare in the American National Anthem. Those are the rockets that people saw glaring as both sides used them throughout the War of 1812. So, St Paul's or in, or rockets? <sighs> it's rockets, isn't it? It's rocket. Even when I'm on my own, I lose. I've lost. I mean, we couldn't have got to the moon, we couldn't go to Mars, there's no V1s, no V2s, most of the... Oh. Yeah, all right, Alex, you win. You win. I just, oh, I've just seen another 
suggestion came in for today which from Gemma which was the British taking up the Gregorian calendar but we've sort of talked about that before and we can't have a fight between three things there's no way of doing a three-way fight it cannot be done I refuse to believe it so sorry Gemma you were too late Anyway, do you agree? Did I lose? I'll put something up on Twitter. Let's find out if you agree who won the date fight. See if you come at me with your best shot. Oh, no, you won today. That, that sounds awful. Um, so well done, Alex. Enjoy your victory while I enjoy sitting here on my own talking. Let's do the birthdays. birthday to Lili Wakalani, the last Queen of Hawaii, who wanted to change the constitution which led to an invasion by the United States Marines and later annexation. Oh. See, usually the overthrow of a monarchy and the establishment of a republic would be a good thing, but in this case it doesn't sound entirely like it was. But I don't know enough about it to make a judgement. It's up to you. Go and look on the internet or read a book. Find out. Let me know what you think. Also, happy death day to Britain's premier gnome describer, J.R.R. Tolkien, whose endless self-congratulatory allegories for Britain in World War II seem bizarrely fascinating to a large number of otherwise sensible people. Happy death day, J.R.R.R.R. I don't know how many R's. Tolkien. And that's it. That's the 2nd of September. I think we've covered everything. Well done, us. Let's plough on. See you tomorrow. Come back for more facts and fun. See you then. Bye.